We're going to check the tape today. What went wrong with DJU and the 2022 Clemson offense? I'll discuss who's at fault next on the Locked On Clemson podcast. You are Locked On Clemson, your daily podcast on the Clemson Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Clemson family? Welcome back to the Locked On Clemson Podcast, your daily podcast from your Clemson Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your boy, Damian Parson, and your host, always on the ones and twos. You can find and follow me on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. I'm a national scout with the Draft Network, as well as co-host of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. You know what I always tell you. I appreciate y'all, and I thank y'all for making Locked On Clemson your first listen every single day, man, Monday through Friday. You know what I tell you guys. You're not just my Clemson Tiger family, but you're my everydayers. I appreciate and love, I appreciate you guys and love all the, the support that you give me. But, guys, we got to talk about some real things on this show today. We have some a good show. We're going to get really get into some, some stuff that I wasn't around to talk to you guys about during the 2022 season. What went wrong? especially on the offensive side, DJU, highly titled recruit. What went wrong with him and the Clemson Tigers that led to a departure? Uh, from Just what does the tape tell me, right? It's basically checking the tape. So we can get into that. You know, how was the offense at fault? How did the offense fail? How did DJU fail the team or, or fail, you know, the offense themselves as well? And then we'll get into on the prowl, four-star recruit. But, guys, before we do that, I got to give a quick shout-out. FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, the first thing I can promise you is in my, from, again, like I said, getting into the tape, I know a lot of, uh, I, I guess you say a lot of the, the blame for, for you know, a lot of fans and some people in the media was it was all DJU. That is not true. Uh, nope, it was not. It wasn't. I, I will say this: no, no one person or group deserves the chunk of the blame. The blame is split 50-50. 50 DJU, fifty to the offensive system and the weapons around him that just did not work well together in twenty twenty two. Guys, when I when I popped on the tape because I you know DJU's over at Oregon State, I got Oregon uh, State uh, in terms of for the NFL draft and prospects for. Uh, you know, uh, my, my job over at the draft network. So getting into the tape and really diving into what went wrong, what, what went well, or what went right and what went wrong for DJU. Uh, it was a lot of different things. And I'll start off with the offensive struggles, the, the, the concept. That's why I'm so excited about Garrett Riley. You guys have heard me gush over him and what he was able to do with Max Dugan and that TCU offense, you know, last year, getting, getting them to the playoffs and not just to the playoffs, but then also to the national title game, right? And, and, and there's a reason for that. This offense, what they were what they were designing, the plays they were running, the, the concepts and structure of it, it was not good, guys. I'm just going to be you know, very honest with you guys. It was not good football. It was not good stuff in no way, shape, or form. And it was very frustrating to watch. Yes, Will Shipley was was doing this thing. Yes, the the run game and the offensive line did did a good job in, in that regard, in that area of the offense. But the passing concepts and, our, and, and it was crazy because I remember talking uh, one of my guys. I talked to one of, one of the coaches and in, in who, who coaches college football, and, and they gave me the scouting report on this offense. The scouting report they 
have f- had from watching tape. And the scouting report was they want to run the ball, pull you down from two high safeties, right? So two high safeties, it's called middle of the field open. So they wanted to go to one high safety, middle of the field close. So anytime you see on social media, M-O-F-O, middle of the field open, or M-O-F-C, middle of the field close. So they wanted to get you out of two high, out of two high looks with the run game, pull that strong safety down into the box. Now they want you to, to isolate and go one-on-one with their receivers. Well, that was the scouting report. He told me that's exactly what you see on tape, where when they – Ran the ball well, and they got those that 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 single high middle of the field close, uh, middle of the field close type of look, right? What what did you see? What did I see? I saw a team that literally would isolate guys, find a matchup down the field, and try to throw one on one 50-50 balls, back shoulder fades, jump balls, you know those type of things, and, and and just go routes. And it's like this is not good. Like this is not high level. Football, right? And where, yes, there were, there was a lot of people at fault. But again, just to look at the offensive struggles, for me, it's like I'm not, I don't want to isolate Joseph Ngata because he's not a separator. He's not a high caliber athlete in terms of he's not running past a lot of guys, right? He's more of a contested catch guy. He's more big body, physical type of receiver. If I'm going to isolate him, I'm isolating him on more end breakers, post routes, uh, slants, digs. You know what I mean? In breakers, things of that nature. I'm not trying to tell him to win a foot race and then have to, okay, DJU or whoever. Kate even, same thing with Kate too. Kate, throw the ball, you know, on the back shoulder. And it's like, guys, at the same time, because what, what that, well, let me tell you what it does, guys. It becomes repetitive. It becomes not just repetitive, but predictable. You start seeing DBs knowing that, well, I don't really have to worry about speed down the field outside of Antonio Williams in terms of the receivers. So what did you deal with? You dealt with guys that were kind of sitting and squatting on the, the, the inside hip of the receiver, which is their outside hip. And they're playing man to man. They're going face guard. And it's like, okay, you throw too many, you throw, you try to throw too many back shoulder fades. And all the DBs going to do is start to read the hands, eyes, and body, uh, the body movement of the receiver. Then they're going to turn. Cause that's an easy turn from that's a natural turn. That's their, Outside turn, they're going to turn their shoulders, look for the ball, and then that puts you in a position of potentially throwing interceptions, pick sixes, things of that nature, right? So it just makes it like very low percentage opportunities. I will, I will put it like that. When, when you want to isolate and, and chuck it downfield, and those low, you know, low percentage throws that don't really have a good turnover rate, you know, for the offense in terms of man, we, oh, well. Let's, let me rephrase that. Not turnover rate, but conversion rate. It doesn't have a, str- a really high conversion rate. So you want to see more, compl- com- you know, more complex, more, you know, more, more creativity, different things of that nature. I did not see that with this passing offense. Yes, you can go three by one and sometimes four by one, uh, you know, and try to, and like I said, isolate one-on-one. And if they're playing single high, you want the, the, the safety up top to kind of shade more towards your strong side, whether that's three uh, receiving options or four if you move the running back on the right side or the side of um, to the strong side of uh, the quarterback and, the sh- and shotgun. So you do want that you can, you know, you can create that, create a bigger window, but at the same time, it's still a low percentage throw because it's not like you're throwing to 
you know, Jerry Judy or Jamison Williams from Alabama or Chris Olave or Marvin. Harris. You're not the Clemson didn't have Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Booga, and those guys that Ohio State have at receiver. They didn't have those type of guys last year, right? So I'm not trying to isolate guys like that. What I want to do is create conflict for the defense. I want to create conversation and make these guys talk to each other a ton pre-snap with pre-snap motion, pre-snap shifts, all the different things like that. You think about what even thinking about offensive coordinators, what I saw from Todd Munkin when I studied Georgia and Stetson Bennett and everything, how they made his life easier. I always talk about that with you guys. Offensive coordinators' jobs is to give the 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 when you call the play and, and everything, you want to help the quarterback you want to help them cheat on the test. You want to give them an answer key. You want to give them more and more notes to study so that they're prepared to answer the, 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 the question correctly. Every snap is a quiz that has multiple choice answers. And at the end of the day, you it could be a play where three of them, you know, A through C is correct, but D is wrong. But you don't want him to, to go to D first because you didn't give him the answers, right? And defense is a funnel you to D. They'll funnel you to that to that wrong or, or to see whichever you know a a through b or one through four, <clears throat> whichever one of those <laughs> options are wrong. They want to funnel you to that. So the offensive system compared, you know, combined with just the the lack of upper echelon talent, and then at the same time, offensive coordinator, you need to make the the receivers' jobs easy too. Because if I want to isolate a guy and get a downfield shot, I want to rub. I want to run some rubs. I want to go three by one, and that that third receiver that's closer to the to the to the line of scrimmage or closer to the tackle, right, closer to to my offensive line, man, double slants with the wheel that creates natural rubs, especially if they're in man to man. But if they're in zone now, it's like okay, well, who's got who? People are switching post snap things of that nature, and it's like all right, high because zone you know creates you have to be able to communicate well for as an offense. In terms of zone. So it's a lot of things that, that, that happened that it was just tough, right? It was tough. And, and the offense had absolutely had their faults. That's why I said no one person or group is at fault for the struggles offensively in 2022. Offensive coordinator didn't call or design in actual like the game plans and the offense that would work well with what the off with, with the offensive skill positions and quarterback that they had last year. But at the same time, as I'm going to get into the next segment, the quarterback didn't help as well. So coming up next, I'm going to get into DJU. And how did he feel? How did he? What mistakes did he make? And is he correctable going over to Oregon State? I'm going to discuss all of that coming up next. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on all the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because family, right now, you get a no-sweat first bet if you're a new customer up to $1,000. Wait, did you hear me correctly? I said you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. What do you have to do? Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. And I'm telling you now, guys, I'm not a baseball, a big baseball guy. I don't have a team myself, but you know about the Yankees, right? You, you, know, you, you know about the Orioles over there in Baltimore. You know about all these different teams that you can bet on. You know what your favorite team is doing, so go bet on them and trust that they're going to make you some money. So don't miss the chance or miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Pat. 
Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. DJU. Of course, I'm not really great at saying this last name. I think it's DJ We Ungalile, but I hate trying to pronounce it because I feel like I sound bad doing it. So DJU is <laughs> DJU it is. And I'm I'm a fan of DJU. You know, Big Cinco coming uh coming coming into college, man, as a recruit five star. And he he deserved every bit of that. Because when you look at him at what six foot, <clears throat> he's what, six foot four. 240, 250. I remember seeing him at the ACC kickoff media day when he was there with Dabo last summer. And um, just a, a kid that you saw the, the weight loss and everything. You just a big strapping young man. He was well-spoken, very nice guy. Um, and someone that to me was easy to root for. And like I said in the first segment, the offense had their, their, their struggles and their issues that were not on his shoulders, right? Now, here we're going to talk about what is on his shoulders, and that is decision-making, holding the football, what we call in in the scouting world, when you see a quarterback back there, they're doing this for those that are watching me on YouTube, and they're just patting the ball. It's called burping the baby. You don't want to be in that position because typically that means you're holding onto the football and you're not getting it out quickly. You know, in the NFL, they, they always say, especially at the NFL level, the the belief is that you have – at, no, at most three seconds in the pocket, unless you are Mahomes, Lamar, Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, you know, those guys who can make plays with the Jalen Hurts, those guys who can make plays with their legs and extend plays, Joe Burrow, those type of guys, right? And if you are, though, yeah, you can extend that that time to throw window from three seconds to five and, and create, right? And, and DJ is a good enough athlete at 250 that he can do that as well. But like I said, in the NFL, the most that most quarterbacks get is typically anywhere from 2.5 to three seconds in the pocket. So it means you got to get the ball out. You got to process information quickly. And, and while I, I, I gave blame to the offensive coordinator and, and the, the scheme that they were running, the concepts in terms of uh, route concepts and everything, and the simplicity of the repetitiveness of isolating throws and the, the low precision, trust me. Yes, that was there. But as I'm watching tape, there are moments where multiple moments where you see DJU, He's so accustomed to reading that 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 deep route, right? And and okay, that's isolated. That's the one on one I want to go to. You don't predetermine your reads. You got to go off of what the defense is showing you post snap. So, because what, what, what we always talk about in the scouting world is, all right, I'm watching for how the quarterback handles the pitcher he sees pre snap, and then the pitcher he sees post snap. So I, for, for, I'm, I age myself a little bit, but I don't remember the name of the little the little toy, but it was like the the looked like a camera had the little uh, it was like red had a white little level of the handle and when you flip it or you pull it down it changes pictures that's what quarterbacks see and that's what defenses want quarterbacks to see they want you to see a beach on your pre you know pre-snap then what they want you to see is a landmine you know i mean where in in, in the desert island where you're not supposed to go Right in the deserted in the in the deserted uh in the desert rather like that's what they they want you to go from the beach to the desert right where you're seeing mirages you're seeing all type of stuff you don't have water to drink whatever they want you stranded in a de- in in the desert right so 
that's what you you see. You see a guy that that's predetermining his his reads, and also and I always talk about this with defense, but it's the same thing with, with offense, guys. When you have offensive players, you want them reading and reacting, not thinking. And I saw when when I'm watching the tape, I'm studying DJU, and I see a young man that is thinking more than he's reacting because I can't remember, I can't remember if it was Florida State. They had same, like I said, they got what they wanted, single high. You know, he was able to go with the deep routes, but they had Tonio Williams in the slot, right? They had a three-by-one set. He beats the DB so quick, so fast. DB didn't have a chance to really recover, and he's on the bender. He's on the, on the over route, right? DJU, instead of coming off of that read, knowing that, that, that that's, I think, well, I can't remember, a tight end or uh, Spectre, one, one of the receivers, they were not open. I always talk about this. Again, multiple choice. You know. Four plus four is not 17. <laughs> Eliminate that. I didn't see that with DJU. I saw a guy that was just waiting and hoping that that throw was going to come available and then he would let it go. And he threw some South Carolina. He threw an interception like that late in the game and, and things of that nature. So instead of coming off of that, right, You, I would say use – I want to see a quarterback's hips move in the pocket. I want them to move like a sprinkler, right? You, you, for, you guys have seen a sprinkler head when it's watering your lawn. It's tick, tick, tick. Right, I want you to okay. One read, two read, three read, four read. Tick, tick, tick. Throw. Tick, tick. Throw. Get the ball out of your hands. Tick through your reads. Get through your reads quickly so that you can make the right decisions. And I did not see that from him. Not only that, but mechanically, he's he improved from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two in terms of even shoulders, not being so much of a leaner and a push thrower, rather rather than <clears throat> loading that back foot and rotating through the hips and having a strong core. But there are too many times where his footwork and his feet in the pocket are absolutely horrendous, where instead of him, he's either he's toesy. So it means he's up on his toes. His heels are not touching the ground. He's not stepping in. And then when he does step into throws. He still tends to overstride and overstride causes poor, poor ball, ball placement and inaccuracy. So you saw that and you're like, oh, man. Like, the throw is there. It's wide open. And then you, you see moments where he's just throwing flat-footed, where there is no activity with his legs. He's not activating his lower body, right? He's throwing all upper body. And then when you do that, again, it's just like boxing, guys. A, a lot, I'm telling you, football is very comparable to boxing and basketball and different things, and baseball, right? Your your power, your your accuracy, different things like that, it comes from your from your base, Right, I don't care how strong you are, how fast your your hands are in boxing. If your feet aren't correct for you to torque and turn to throw that hook, you're not gonna land it the way you want. You might you might go leaning, and now you get counterpunched. And it's the same thing in the pocket. If you're not activating your feet and your feet aren't correct, you're getting you're gonna get a counterpunch. It's gonna be a pick six. It's gonna be an interception. Right, you're gonna throw into into coverage. So those are the things that I saw on tape with DJU. And and, and now, when you ask. Is it correctable? Yes, it is. It is correctable because I and I think he said in the interview that offense did not fit him, and I agree it doesn't. I think he needs to be in more of a play action type of offense and and, and kind of quick throws, right, to get him settled into a rhythm because he has the arm talent. He's got a hose on that right arm to really to really stress tight windows and rip it, you know, between the seams and between the hashes, 20 yards upfield on a bang eight and different things like that. He can do those things, guys, I'm telling you. But at the end of the day, you have to make the right decisions. And he just didn't do that in 2022. So, yes, the offensive situation, the the, the skill position, the weapons in terms of receivers, it was not great. 
He did not have Ohio State's receiving core. He did not have what Michael Penix was throwing to at Washington with Romeo Adunze and Jalen McMillan. He didn't have that. He didn't have Troy Franklin at Oregon and they're like, like Bo Nix and all that. You know, he didn't have those high, a ton of high octane weapons, right? In terms of being especially seasoned guys. But he has to take some onus and some blame for his play as well. So I, I just I want to be honest about that. Like I wanted to give you guys both sides of that coin and let you know it's not just the offense, the receivers, the OC, but it's also not just DJU. This is a talented young man. Big Cinco is talented. And and this is a young man that if he puts it all together, his stock will rise for the NFL draft of 2024. But we got to see that. And the biggest thing we want to see is consistency. So he's it, it, it's fixable, but let's see if he can fix it in the season of 2023. But, guys, for 2023, you know what I mean? We got a senior safety who's about to make a decision for the 2024 recruiting class. So what are we about to do next? You already know we're going on the prowl coming up next. On the prowl, ladies and gentlemen, we are on the prowl for more 2024-2025 recruits. And for the 2024 class, four-star safety, Ricardo Jones, is has been reported uh, by One.com that he will make his college decision on June 27th. And guess who he's choosing between? I'm telling you, these, I told you guys, you know, in one of the recent podcasts that Florida State and Clemson are going to be attached at the hip in more ways than one for 2023. And it starts with recruiting as well. His two choices are Clemson and Florida State. And guys, let me tell you something. Again, one, one.com, great, just great outlet. I love, I love those guys' work. Uh, 24-7 sports and, and ESPN as well. But one, one.com, they, they are top tier. They are, they're, they're high, you know, high level stuff. But when you, when you look at what he brings in terms of physical frame, in terms of Ricardo Jones, they say he's played safety, 6'3", 190. So when you look at this young man, you see a guy that has a college frame already. And I'm excited. I'm excited for this because this is, a, again, losing Andrew Makuba. You got RJ Mickens. You want to continue to replenish the well, man. You want to continue to replenish the well and, and, and keep that talent coming in. And, and again, I, I talked about it. If you want to, again, Georgia is the first, the number one recruiting class right now. They have the same amount of five-star recruits committed for the 2024 class as Clemson. But they have about, you know, anywhere from seven to eight more four-star recruits already committed, right? So Clemson's got to continue to shrink that 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 uh, disadvantage so they can keep climbing up because you're going to really make your hay and, and, and your ranking based on what you're doing in terms of the four-star recruits. So looking at the – I didn't get a chance to watch the kids' tape, but I trust the the the, the scouts over at one.com, uh, and this is the report that they put out. He's a well-put-together safety prospect who has the frame and build to carry quality mass. Like I say, he's 190 right now heading into his senior season. Depends on what happens athletically. This is a kid that might bump, bump up to 205, maybe 210. And it just depends on what, what his athleticism looks like. He's either going to play free or he's going to be more of a, a, a low, low level, uh, low hole, strong safety. But they say, now, here's, again, just answer my question. Possesses tremendous closing speed when working downhill. So you're talking about closing on quick routes in front of them, uh, the run game, seeing and uh, identifying the ball and, tra- and really tracking it and then coming downhill, right? 
uh, has the necessary range to cover from sideline to sideline. So now he can play on the roof. He can play in the high post and play like I talked about with, with, with you know, DJU and an offense and what they wanted to get defensive in, single high, he can do those things, right? He high points the ball effectively at the catch point and has quality ball skills. So that's what you want too. If he's back there and he's helping out with, it, you know, coming over the top, the double team, and they still throw the ball 40 yards down the field, can he go up and make a play? Does he have the ball skills to make a play? Looks like he does. This looks like he does. Uh, does not, you know, they said they did not see much man-to-man coverage on film for him. But he has the hip fluidity and long speed to do so if asked. And that's big because a lot of times it's not about if a guy can or can't. It's about what he's asked and not asked to do. So if he's asked and you know, to, to start training and working in practice on being a man-to-man nickel guy with his size, he's I'm going to tell you what he is. He's got the potential to be with his size and athleticism to be a tight end eraser. So that's what you want to look for because at the end of the day, especially from an NFL draft perspective, I'm going to keep my eyes on this kid wherever he goes because as an analyst and evaluator, I'm going to talk about him because that's what that, that type of frame athleticism what teams look for at the safety position because if he got the closing speed, he gets that grown man body, right? He gets up to 205, 210, but he's still a 4445 type of guy and come down and play man-to-man against tight ends. Man, that's going to help his draft stock. So uh, and then they talked about the just where that kind of where that athleticism, athleticism comes from. He's a member of the varsity basketball team as well. So the ball skills, the leaping ability, all the body control, all of that are big are big proponents and components of playing basketball. And then and, and they closed up saying he is one of the safer 2024 recruiting cycle safety prospects. Uh, you know, coming into this into this year and coming into this senior year, safe is great. And when you hear safe and then you pair that with the fact that not only is he safe, but then he's super, he's athletic, he's big, physical. Man, come on. What are we talking about? So, again, June 27th, Ricardo Jones will make his decision between Clemson and Florida State. And I'm telling you now, I, again, these two teams attached at the hip. And what I love about this, it just makes it makes everything even worth even more. It makes it matter more. I promise you guys. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what is going to transpire and what is going to take place. But guys, listen, we on the prowl, man. Uh, Ricardo Ricardo Jones. That's you know, um, like I said, June 27th. So we have what 10 days. We have 10 days, man. 10 days until this young man makes his decision and, and lets us know is he going to be a Tiger or a Seminole. But let's hope for let's let, let's hope the claws come out. Let's hope that he is a Clemson Tiger so he can continue so we can continue to build up this 2024 recruiting class and make it as great as possible. We're talking about making it as great as possible. This podcast, you guys make it as great as possible. I appreciate y'all and I love y'all, man, for tapping in and supporting me as always. Go subscribe for, subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you uh, get pocket, listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it's available. Uh, guys, thank y'all so much for making Locked On Clemson your first listen today and every single Day. On tomorrow's show, we're going to talk a little bit of Deshaun Watson. And is he now former Clemson great, right? National national champion. Is he primed? Is he ready? Coming into the 2023 season with an improved Cleveland Browns, is he ready to take over the AFC North? We're going to talk about that as well as a... 2025 QB recruit, believe four star. We're going to get into all of that on tomorrow's show. But guys, as always, listen, I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. You're my Clemson family, man. So, in terms of Twitter, go ahead and find and follow me there at DP underscore NFL. 
All right, go and do that because I you talk to me, I talk back. All right, come and join the conversation again tomorrow on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day, go Tigers.